Hello, and welcome to Full Court Press Inside the NBA Special Edition. I'm Charles. And I'm Elliot. And today we have a very special guest on the podcast. He is a lead staff writer for DreamShake SB Nation, a national writer for SB Nation, a credentialed reporter for the Houston Rockets and Rio Grande Valley Vipers, and a co-host of the Clutch Fans Rocket Field podcast. And now, without further ado, our very special episode with LaShar Binkley. I'm uh, LaShar Binkley. I uh, write for the uh, write for SB Nation. I'm a lead writer for the Dream Shake, which is the Houston Rockets part of SB Nation. I also write nationally for uh, SB Nation website. I'm also a credential reporter for the Houston Rockets and uh, Rio Grande Valley Vipers. As you just mentioned, I am host of the uh, Rockets Fuel podcast that comes out weekly. Um, so I definitely just, you know, happy to be on and, you know, talk basketball. Yeah, absolutely. And we're thrilled to have you on. So, I mean, you're a Rockets writer and you cover the Rockets. And I think we're going to talk a lot about not only them, but just the young teams that are in the rebuilding process, just yeah. looking to make that next move, I guess. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. There's several teams that are kind of ahead of the Rockets right now when it comes to rebuilding. Um, like one, I'm sure we're going to talk about Oklahoma City is kind of ahead of the curve when it comes to uh, the whole rebuilding process, even without Holmgren, uh, that's been out pretty much, well, has been out the entire year so far. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So I guess our first question is, you know, of each the – I guess we'll go the four, you know, core rebuilding teams in the Hornets, Pistons, Spurs, and Rockets. Of those four teams, you know, who do you see as the main building block of each of these young rebuilding teams? Uh, I mean, I I like what the the Pistons are doing. They're putting together, you know, several good players. The Rockets actually just played them last night. I mean, they have Jaden Ivey. Kay kind of has been out all year, so it's been kind of hard to see how he fits with his team. But um, Duran has been pretty good. Jalen Duran, the center they just drafted. Um, so they, they've they been pretty good so far. I think San Antonio's kind of in the same boat where the Rockets are, where they're still trying to find their identity. Um, they've been struggling. They've been dealing with a lot of injuries. Um, they have some good players, too. I mean, Kelvin Johnson is a really good player. Um, of course, Devin Vessel is another one that's um, a good young player that they're trying to build up to see if they, he can get to the next level. Jeremy Shohan, who's uh, actually been a really good, big surprise for the Spurs so far. Um, so they have some good pieces in place. I mean, all these young teams have good pieces in place. I think it's just a matter of will they be able to take that next step, which honestly a lot of them are kind of banking on trying to get Victor Wimbyama or Scoot Henderson. So that's that's kind of where all these teams are aiming for. But like I was saying earlier, just some teams are a lot further ahead in the rebuilding process, like Orlando, like Oklahoma City, who both of those teams are actually winning more, especially Oklahoma City. They've been hovering around 500 all year. Um, And like I said, that's without Chet Holmgren. And once Chet Holmgren gets there, they're probably going to be a a lot further ahead than most of these other young teams. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, This year's upcoming draft is one of the most, like, hyped and, like, top-heavy, like, drafts. Yes. Um, see this draft class in like maybe like the next few years, maybe ten, like five or ten years. I mean, of course, you know the the top two players are you know 
I don't want to say can't miss because there's no such thing as a can't miss draft picks we've seen before where really high players come and then unfortunately they just turn into NBA bust for multiple reasons. Um, but beyond the of the top two players, I mean, you have a player like Anthony Black out of Arkansas, um, somebody that not a lot of people are talking about, but he's a six seven guard, maybe six eight by the time you get to the NBA. Um, that's doing really well in Arkansas. He has some things to work on, like the other draft picks. But I think he's somebody that's shooting up a lot of people's draft boards. Boards, of course, you have the Thompson twins, um, where they they've been kind of floating around the number three to number five picks. Um, so they're definitely somebody that to keep an eye out on. Um, but of course, everything is coming down to the, the top two players, um, Victor Wimbiama and Scoot Henderson. That's what all these young teams are hoping they can get to. Um, but you know, like I said, some teams are winning more games than they thought that they were going to win, so they might not even be in a running. But of course, everybody's coming down to those two. I mean, even if you get Scoot Henderson instead of Victor Wimbiama, of course, you're going to be a little bit disappointed. But I mean, from what we've seen so far, he can definitely be another generational type player. Absolutely, and I mean, I think both these guys. I mean, obviously Wimbiama, but I think even Scoot in the last five five, ten years, every draft class, he could have a legitimate running for number one and only in maybe two or three where he would fall to number two. But yeah, I think this year he just – he drew the short stick, you know? Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, he's in a draft with supposedly the, the best prospect since LeBron James. Um, some people are saying he's more a better pros- prospect than LeBron James was, which I find that a little bit hard to believe right now because he hasn't – really played anybody outside of a second tier overseas players, which is nothing wrong with that. I mean, Rockets have a player on their team, um, Alperen Shangun, who played overseas, even though he was playing against a lot tougher competition in the Turkish league. But um, I mean, like you said, Scooter Henderson, any other draft um, outside of probably Zion Wilson in the last five or six years, he probably would be going number one. I mean, but there's like, there's several good players in this draft. This is a pretty deep draft especially at the top i mean you got brandon miller out of arkansas who's starting to play really well um a lot of people on their draft board actually have him going number three so um even if you don't get one of the top two picks yes you you'll probably be disappointed but i mean there's so many good players from like one all the way down to nine or ten that you can possibly get in this draft i think i want to go back to what you said about um uh, Victor and how like he doesn't play like uh, he's probably played like second tier competition and all that. Yes. Uh, what what do you think would change in his game just because of like I mean when he plays in France and all that like they play like really physical basketball which is something the league has not has kind of drifted away from in the last maybe like 10-15 years and yeah. so like do you think his game would be like even better or do you think that would just like not be determined yet just because we like we haven't seen him play against like the greatest basketball players like of, of our of our time? Yeah, I, I think the main thing he was he's going to have to adjust to is the athleticism of the players in the NBA. Um, cause like you said, they do play a lot fit more physical overseas. I mean, all the top players from overseas have said that we heard Lucas say that that it's easier to play in the NBA just because of the physicality and also the rules as well, because you there's no three-second rule in overseas play. So there's a lot more space in the NBA. Um, but I think Victor, Victor Wimbiano had to get used to, like I said, he's probably, he is the most athletic player that he's, you know, you know pretty much every single game he's playing out there. Um, but in the NBA, he probably won't be the most athletic, uh, athletic player. 
Uh, he'll be the tallest for sure, but he won't be the most athletic. He's going against other guys that are going to be six ten, six or seven feet that run like guards. So he has to get used to that. And a lot of the highlights we see is of him crossing players over or, or taking people off the dribble. And that's going to be a lot harder in NBA because you have centers that can guard guards in the NBA. So that's something he's going to have to adjust to. I mean, this height, height goes anywhere. It doesn't matter what league you're in. So, I mean, his height is going to be a huge advantage, but he has to get used to that. And he has to get used to the NBA rules, trying to guard people out on the perimeter. He won't be able to be as physical himself. So, he has to learn that to stay out of foul trouble, which I mean, most big men have to deal with that once they get into the NBA. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you'll know this better than most, but the Rockets have Jalen Green, who was a second overall pick in last year's draft. Yes. And they have Alperin Shangun, who's been emerging this season as possibly their core player. I mean, I think Jalen Green still has the edge, but with his inconsistency this year and Chengun's uprising, I mean, of those two players, which one would you rather take as the guy to for the Rockets to build around? Well, that's kind of a that's a tough question because it it, it also depends on this upcoming draft. Because to me, if they get Victor Wimbyama, as much as I like Shangun, and I know as much as people you know, kind of argue with me saying he will fit as a power forward next to, or they'll fit in the same front court. I just find it hard to believe that you can have Shangun and Wimbyama in the front court. Um, So if they were to get Victor Wimbyama, then, I mean, either Shangun would have to move to the bench or they would have to think about trading them because it would just be a really odd fit having them both in the front court. And in that case, you're going with Jalen Green. Um, but if you get Scoot Henderson, um, then you would have to also reshuffle some of your lineup because right now they have Kevin Porter Jr. at point guard. They would have to move him either to the bench or to small forward. Um, and then you would have to see how Scoot Henderson and Jalen Green work. Ultimately, the Rockets want Jalen Green to be the main guy. Um, they built their team. They plan on building a team around him. Um, as much as they like Shangun, they did draft uh, Jalen Green number two overall, so they want him to be a franchise player. But I just think Shangun's just played so well; he's kind of thrown a um, uh, kind of thrown um, thrown that plan um, in the trash because he's just playing so well. And now the team's having to adjust to him being the type of player that is a low post threat. He doesn't really give you anything from outside of maybe five or seven feet, but he's just so good in the post that. It's hard for the Rockets to go away from that. But ultimately, I think the Rockets want Jalen Green to be the main guy that they're building around. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, I think that it can go either way. But I think there's many different scenarios in which Shangun and Jalen Green can each have their spotlight this season. Yeah. And we've seen that already. But, I mean – one thing is the Rockets have a lot of draft – or they have quite some draft picks in the next few years. Yes. And, I mean, so do the Thunder. They have almost doubled the same as the Rockets. I mean, they are – both those teams are also – are very young. So where do you see those teams – what do you see them doing with the all the draft capital? Because you can't draft every single player because then there's too much, I guess – you just can't draft every player, you know? Yeah, and that's kind of the problem the Rockets have right now. They have too many, you know, good, good young players that can actually contribute on the court, but they just don't have enough playing time for all of them. Um, so 
that's why they, for instance, um, a lot of talk has been down here while the Rockets haven't gotten rid of Eric Gordon, who's like the elder statements of the entire team because he's you know, well into his 30s, uh, past his prime, but can help a uh, playoff contending team. Um, but the reason they haven't got rid of him because they didn't want any more draft picks uh, last year or this year because they already have so many young players that they're trying to find playing time for. Um, and I think both teams, especially the Thunder, I think the Thunder are definitely going to look to move some of those draft picks and get a more established player because they are, like you said, they have so many draft picks. They have so many young guys. Um, they have to now figure out how to get Chet Holmgren integrated into their team. They have more draft picks this season. And on top of that, they have the Rockets draft pick next year, and that's another reason why the Rockets are trying – they're not trying to tank, but they, I don't think they really have a huge problem with them with them losing games this year because the Rockets don't have their draft pick next year. They actually go to the Thunder as part of that Russell Westbrook and Chris Paul trade from a few years ago. So I think the Thunder are definitely going to try and package some of those picks and actually get a higher, uh, a higher grade, more established player um, in the next couple of years. Yeah, that's a, I mean, that's a good point with um, like, you know, just kind of getting more established players. What what kind of teams do you think would be willing to like move an older guy? I know I got like the Bucks have like a lot of older kind of veterans on their team. Uh-huh. It makes them really good. And um, you can kind of see the flip side of it, having too many veterans, like, like the Lakers, like they kind of like have these older guys that just, you know, like they can't elevate the way they kind of used yeah. to. So what what kind of moves do you think or what kind of teams do you think would uh try to trade for a younger player? Um maybe play? I I mean I could see a team like um for instance in the Eastern Chicago Bulls who are struggling right now. They they've lost several games against lower ranked teams. For instance, they lost a game against the the Rockets um and before the Rockets actually lost 13 in a row after that. Um, so the Bulls are one of those teams that have a, several veteran players that they can possibly move, like a like a Demar Derozan, like a Zach Levine, one of those type of a Vukovic, um, one of those type of players that they just have players that are good enough but not good enough to get them over the hump. And now that they're losing on a consistent basis. I think they'd be one of the teams to watch as far as moving some of those older players. Uh, Portland may be another team, um, even though they're kind of still in the thick of the playoff race, but they've been losing some games recently, even with Damian Lillard going off for 60 points in, in one of those games. They even lost that game. So they're another team that could be moving on from some of their veteran players. Um, like I said, the Rockets definitely want to move on from Eric Gordon. He's one of the only few veteran players on their team, but he's playing 30 minutes a game for them. If they want to move him to kind of make room for – uh, some of their younger guys, uh team like Phoenix, they have Jay Crowder, who they've been trying to trade all year. He hasn't played one game for them all year long. They've been trying to trade him um, because they have Cameron Johnson, who just came back from injury. So there are several players. Oh, the Thunder may even try to package some of those players and get a higher pick this year because the way they're winning, they're not going to be one of those top three or four teams when it comes to the lottery. Yeah, and I think with the Rockets and Eric Gordon, I mean – I think it's better they stay they stick with him because you take Eric Gordon out of the locker room, the only veteran you have left and the only guy that's over 30 basically is Boban Marjanovic. And yeah. he's a really, really nice person, really friendly. I mean, he's a veteran that you want in that locker room, but I think then the young guys are kind of taking over, you know. They already are. And I think Jalen Green needs some of the mentorship from 
the veterans and same with Shangun and KPJ and all their Kenyon Martin Jr., all their young guys who kind of need that mentorship from veterans to kind of get them over the hump, you know? Yeah, and and it would be the case, but the problem is this year is that they're losing so much. I think Eric Gordon is frustrated and he's ready to move on. Now, that may change next year if they possibly think about bringing back James Harden. Eric Gordon may want to stick around, um, but there's a possibility that they may trade Eric Gordon for this trade deadline just because he has shown some frustration on the court. He's shown some frustration after games, talking to the media, um, that, you know, he's kind of, you know, at his wits end when it comes to the, the young players making the same mistakes over and over and over again. So I just think that he's getting to a point, the same place that P.J. Tucker was um, last the year before when the Rockets um, actually set him down for several games before they traded him because P.J. Tucker was just kind of just through dealing with the the losing that the Rockets were doing. And it's the same thing where Gordon, I think he's just so frustrated that he's ready to move on. I think he's probably even told the Rockets, even though more quietly than James Harden did, um, before he got traded, that he's ready to move on to a more veteran team because he's at the end of his career. He wants to win a, win a ring just like uh, P.J. Tucker did um, with the Milwaukee Bucks. So he's ready to you know move on to the final stages of his NBA career. So it may be a case where the Rockets have to find that veteran leadership next year when they actually start ready to sign uh, free agents. Uh, before we move on to like another team, um... There have been rumors like a lot kind of floating around this last maybe like kind of first, I guess the first half of the the season that uh, after this year, like James Harden kind of wants to go back to Houston. Uh, yeah. What like do you one, do you think that is kind of like more reality than just him like talking or do you think that that's or, and do you think that um like do you think that the environment there is going to be like stable or like pretty, like pretty unstable? Is so it- I, I, I think it's, it's could be some truth to the rumor. It could also be James Harden trying to get some leverage against the 76ers for a, a extended contract for a max contract because his contract, um, it will be coming up soon. And right now he's not on a max deal because he did take less money. So I think he wants one more big contract before the end of his career. And he um, is figuring, well, I can put some pressure on Philadelphia that, Hey, I may leave and go back to Houston. So I think it could be that as well. Um, But he did, he does love Houston. He still has family down here in Houston. If I'm not mistaken, his mom still lives here in Houston. Um, He still has a lot of charities. He still has a, a lot of things going on in the Houston area. So it could be something to that, but I just don't think he's just going to come back just to come back. I think he has to see certain things in place from the Rockets that shows that there are going to, you know, be competitive because there's no way he wants to come back here and deal with what he dealt with right before he left where the Rockets were going down here fast with players like Christian Wood um, uh, that were, you know, good players, but just not good enough to actually win a championship. So I think it's a lot of time between now and, you know, when free agency hits that a lot of things can change. For instance, if Philadelphia gets to the finals and lose, I think he still sticks around Philadelphia because he still ultimately wants that ring. But if things just go crazy and blow up in Philadelphia, then maybe he just decides, hey, I'd rather be more comfortable than trying to, you know, continue to try to win rings with all these different teams. Yeah. And so I the other team in the West that has really struggled this year and – have no direction almost the Spurs 
I mean, yeah. they have Keldon Johnson and Devin Vassell and Jeremy Sohan, yeah. three guys that are really talented, but I think in the long term, they don't have any players that can lead them to a championship or deep playoff run, you know? So with them, where do you see – how does the offseason look for them? And, you know, what does a team like the Spurs attempt to do to get that franchise player? Well, I mean, I think with them it, it starts kind of with Popovich. Like what is he going to do? Is he going to stick around for another year? Is he going to retire? Um, I think they have to figure that out first. Um, but like you said, they have some good players, but I don't know if their ceilings are superstar level. Um I just think that they're really good players, but they definitely, like you said, they need that next player to take that next step back to where they, they've been for, I mean, I don't know, the last 20 years before this recent, you know, kind of downturn uh, where they're more towards the bottom of the uh, bottom of the standings than at the top. Um, I think they're trying to do the exact same thing the Rockets are. They're trying to, you know, get the young players playing time, but I think the front office is fine with them losing because they want to be able to get that high draft pick. I mean, everything comes down to where you land in this lot, this next lottery. Um, I think a lot of teams' futures are going to be made and broken in this next lottery. I mean, like I said, there's some good players outside of the top two, but, I mean, I don't know if any of those players outside of the top two are going to be superstar-level players like Scoot Henderson and Victor Wimbiama. Because let's say the Spurs get Victor Wimbiama, then they're right back in it because – now Pavlovich is probably going to stick around for another year, and then you have those really good players around him, like Trey Jones or that point guard. That's another good player that they have. Um, that once you get Victor Victor Wimbiama, it kind of just elevates everybody to that next level. So I think they're looking at that, and if they can get a player like that, I think they go more all in next year as far as free agency. But if they fall in the three, four, five, six spot um, next uh, in this upcoming draft, then you may see Popovich say, hey, I'm ready to move on. And then they're still going to be like right in the middle of that rebuild. Yeah. I mean, I I think, I mean, I don't, I don't know. It's just, I think it's a little, you know, challenging for the Spurs um, specifically because like you look at all the other teams that are in the bottom four. I mean, you got like, you got Jalen Green and uh, Shangun on on Houston, and then you got um, you got like Jaden Ivey, and you got um, like Cade for uh, the Pistons, and then you also got I mean Lamella Ball, you know, for uh, the Hornets, and like the Spurs kind of don't really have any kind of like real player. Like, what do you think their future would look like if they don't get that franchise player? Do you think it'll look more like um, like the Thunder was for a long time, or do you think it'll be like they're actually going to try to get like a franchise player with with the the veterans that they have, like maybe in a, in a deal. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they would probably try to make a trade because it's hard for San Antonio to get free agents just because, I mean, they're a small market team. So they're not one team where everybody just looks at like, hey, we want to go to San Antonio, you know, like L.A. or New York or Miami or one of those cities, um, they'll have a hard time attracting free agents just like the Utah Jazz does year in and year out. So I think they would they they would have to make some type of deal because if they don't get one of those top two players and they're just going to be at best like a middle of the pack team where they kind of fight for a playoff spot or playing spot every year, kind of purgatory where most teams don't want to be. You either want to be really good or you want to be really bad. You don't want to be one of those teams fighting for a playing spot every year. Absolutely, and I think one of those teams that 
is fighting for a playoff spot every year in the Knicks and the yeah. Wizards, two teams in the East that I feel like every year are consistently hovering at that eight, nine seed, somewhere yeah. around there. You know, both those teams have had some good players over the last few years, but they haven't had any stars, you know. I mean, the Wizards have Bradley Beal, who has been a star, but the last few seasons, two or three seasons or so, injuries have gotten the better of him and not necessarily that 30-point score that he once was. And then with the Knicks, they're a huge free agent uh, team that every year they're in the running for no matter who the top free agent is, but they never got that Kevin Durant or that Kyrie Irving. And instead, all they've landed with is Jalen Brunson, who is doing really good for them. Yeah. So I yeah, like, I mean, no, no, so go ahead. I think both of those teams, you know, they haven't, they've never had that established star. I mean, the Wizards did in Bradley Beal, but I think more so for the Knicks, they never have had that established star, but they're still just hovering right where you said you don't want to be, you know, at that playing spot every single season. Yeah, kind of like the, the Kings have been for like the longest time. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, before this year, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's the Knicks. With the Knicks, it's been they try to, you know, kind of go for the home run swing on a couple of players. I mean, we all remember when they were trying to get Kevin Durant um, that didn't work out. Recently, they had a chance at um, at getting Mitchell, Donovan Mitchell, but uh, for some reason they felt that it was the asking price was too much, and we see what he's doing for Cleveland right now. I mean, Jalen Brunson has been great, but he's not Donovan Mitchell. I don't think he ever will be a Donovan Mitchell-type player. Um, lucky for them, Julius Randle is playing better than he did last year. He kind of fell off last year after making an all-star team the year before. Um, and also – uh, one player that's been really disappointing for him is R.J. Barrett. He's been like uh, up and down all season long. He hasn't really taken that next step. He's been hurt. Then he's in the lineup. Then he's out of the lineup. So I think he's kind of been a disappointment for them so far. Uh, Quentin Grimes has been a nice surprise for them. Uh, Emmanuel quickly has been good. But again, like you said, Julius Randle is probably the closest thing they have to a star right now. But I don't think he's good enough to take you to that next level. Um, I mean, they were thinking about trading him this last offseason. So I think they're still struggling to kind of find that next superstar. I think they figured they were New York. They should easily be able to attract these stars, but they haven't really attracted a a free agent in so long. I can't honestly remember. I mean, you probably have to go back to maybe when Carmelo Anthony went back home. That's like the last time they were really able to get some uh, star-level player. And even at that point, Carmelo Anthony was kind of going going more towards uh, good instead of a star player. So – I mean, it's been a while since they've been able to attract any type of, you know, high-level free agents. Um, and I think that they're really regretting not going after and getting Donovan Mitchell this offseason. Absolutely. And, I mean, some teams that were in that position at one point, like the Heat or the Cavs in recent memory, both those teams have made their moves and have had established stars that – are at in their team now, like from that 2019 draft class, RJ Barrett was the third overall pick. And behind him was Darius Garland, Garland, yes. who is now uh, 
all-star point guard for the Cavaliers. Arguably a cornerstone piece for them right now. Absolutely. Yeah, it's been really good, yeah. And then for the Heat, you know, they got Tyler Hero in the same draft. And they also have Bam Adebayo, and they made a move to get Jimmy Butler. And that brought them to the finals in 2020. So both those teams were once in the same position almost. But, I mean, I think that nowadays – I think free agents aren't looking at the big markets as much as they once were. I think they're yeah. just looking to go to that winning team, you know, like the Warriors. They were not a big market team until Steph Curry arrived. And then Kevin Durant, you know, as we all know, joined them and created possibly one of the greatest teams of all time, if not one of the greatest. And they won two championships and – possibly without the injuries, could have won a third. So, I mean, I think that there's many teams that are hovering in that spot where you don't want to be, and it's time for them to, you know, either flip the switch and do, like, get rid of all their players and just stock up on young draft pit on young players and draft picks that they can use for the future. Or they just go all out and get a star, you know? Yeah, I mean, Miami, uh, you're speaking of Miami, they've kind of struggled this year as well. They're dealing with an injury. Jimmy Butler's out like every other game. Um, they actually lost to Charlotte today, um, a Charlotte team that's been struggling uh, recently themselves. And Kyle Lowry is kind of just falling off, a, falling off a cliff lately. He's just not the same player he was. I mean, of course, he's getting older, but – He's pretty much not giving them much of anything um, this year. Bam Adebayo has actually been their best player uh, this season because, like I said, um, Jimmy Butler's been out of the lineup more than he's been in this year. So they're one of those type of teams, like I was speaking of Chicago earlier, where if they don't I, – but I do think Miami figures, as long as they can get to the playoffs and their players are healthy, they I think they figure they can beat any team anywhere. Um, but – if they don't get it together soon, I mean, they're going to fall further further behind teams like Milwaukee and um, Philadelphia, who's won seven in a row now that James Harden and Joel Embiid are back. So they're going to continue to fall further and further behind these teams. And, I mean, a team like Cleveland, I mean, you have Donovan Mitchell. Um, I actually saw them up close uh, recently uh, when they played the Rockets, and they pretty much handled the Rockets without any trouble, even without Donovan Mitchell. Um but they have Donald Mitchell, you have Evan Mope, you have Jared Allen. Um, a player people even forget about that he's on the team is Karis LeVert, but he's another guy that can really score. Um, Ricky Rubio is a kind of a steady enforcer on the bench. So, I mean, Miami has to, you know, start getting it together here pretty soon or they won't even have home court advantage in the first round. Yeah. And today a report came out that Kawhi Leonard is telling the Clippers front office that, you know, he would like a – point guard around him that yeah next with and the two names that popped up were one Kyle Lowry who was a teammate of his in Toronto yes and the second name another teammate of his in Toronto Fred Van Vliet who yeah. is pending free agent this offseason and he's expecting a big a big bank you know he's expecting the big money and so I think that for the heat getting rid of Kyle Lowry is either, you know, they flip the switch. Because I think if they get rid of Lowry, you can't get back a pick in return. Or, you know, like a Brandon Boston Jr. If you're getting rid of 
say Kyle Lowry and you're not getting anyone good back in return, then you're just going to fall, like you said, further behind. And what they need right now is to win now because Jimmy Butler's getting up there in age. Bam Adebayo's at his peak. I mean, Tyler Hero is still young. He's still getting there. But yeah. with the pieces they have right now, they can't afford to lose a player who is having a struggling uh, is having a struggle this season and get back almost nothing in return. You know, if they're yeah. they need to get back someone such as like a Luke Kennard or maybe like a John Wall or something. Yeah. Yeah, or even a Terrence Mann. I mean, I, I Clippers sort of like Terrence Mann, but they kind of seem to kind of move him from bench back to playing, not to playing. I mean, if you're Miami, if you can get a Terrence Mann, who I actually really like, I mean, again, I saw him up close and personal when he played the Rockets, and he actually absolutely destroyed the Rockets. I mean, a, a younger guy that can actually still contribute. Um, If you're Miami, I wouldn't make that type of deal. Uh, if you're the Clippers – um. Of course, you would rather have Fred Van Vliet, but like you said, now you're talking about paying him a, a massive com- contract coming up, and you already have Paul George and Kawhi Leonard already making max money. Um, I know Steve Ballmer has a lot of money, but at some point, I mean, I'm sure he's going to be like, okay, I need to see more room. Yeah. So going to have a new arena here uh, pretty soon as well. So, yeah, I mean, I, I know Kawhi Leonard's at the point where he's at – you know, he's at the back end of his prime years and he wants to try to get another ring. And right now, John Wall and um, as much as they like Terrence May, I just don't know how much he fits with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Um, and then, of course, you still have Reggie Jackson, who barely even plays anymore. Yeah. And that's surprising because last year, Reggie Jackson was one of their best players with yeah. Kawhi's absence. And Paul George is 50 50 on a night. I mean, you didn't know if he was going to play until two minutes before tip-off. I mean, last year he was one of their best players, you know. He would go out there and in the clutch time minutes he would do his thing. And he was one of the guys that they could count on last year to get a bucket and go back on the other side of the court and, you know, have a chance to get the ball back for them. But I feel like the Clippers with Kawhi's return and John Wall's signing, they kind of, I think – forgot who they were, you know. I mean, Kawhi has returned to once he who he once was the last 10 games, I believe he's averaging close to 30, if not over 30. And I think that they're just forgetting their identity and who helped who helped push them in the absence of Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, and, and and with the Clippers, I mean, honestly, I mean, they've won seven in a row, so they've actually been playing pretty good lately, but it always comes down to the playoffs with them because we all know they've blown, I mean, different teams, but they've blown 3-1 leads several times. Um, Just recently in the bubble, they did it against Denver. Um, They've struggled in the playoffs for various reasons, injuries, just Doc Rivers, just multiple different reasons why they've struggled in playoffs recently, so – as much as they like to win in a regular season, they, it all comes down to the playoffs for them because I think if they flame out again this year, I honestly think they may look to move on from one of the players, one of either Kawhi Leonard or Paul George, because at this point, if you're still not winning this year when the Western Conference is up for grabs, I mean, anybody can win the Western Conference this year. There's no dominant teams in the Western Conference. There's really not any dominant teams in the NBA, not like it's been in the past. So if you still can't win this year, 
there's really no point in continuing to pay max contracts to Paul George and Kawhi Leonard when both of them, neither of them really even played maybe even 60 games a year at this point. Yeah, I think that would be a really disappointing end because they spent so much money and so much time just to, like, you know, continue that team. Um, yeah. But, I mean, I think with this, we're going to take our first break. And when we come back, we'll talk more about kind of young teams. So we'll see. You and we're back. And so with uh, I want I want to kind of shift gears into talking about maybe like the Thunder and what they've kind of accomplished in the last like five ish years. Um, so to start off, I guess we could go with the kind of the the Westbrook era and how he got traded to the Rockets um, for Chris Paul and then kind of how 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 did that team kind of like take a dip and then kind of researched uh, based off the picks. You know what I'm saying? Well, I mean, the the main thing with them was they were able to get so much for Westbrook because um, the Rockets were desperate. They wanted um, – they thought Chris Paul was done. I mean, let's just be honest. They thought he was done. They didn't think any other team would trade for him. As we saw, that's not that wasn't the case. But at the time, Chris Paul was coming off another injury-filled season. The Rock and James Harden and him didn't get along, and the Rockets kind of catered to everything James Harden wanted. So that's why that trade came up uh, came about. And of course, with Chris Paul's you know ridiculous contract at the time, they couldn't trade him to anybody else um, because it's only so many teams that have players that can match that contract. And Russell Westbrook was one of them. And if Paul George didn't decide to leave in the first place, then Russell Westbrook wouldn't want to be traded. So it was kind of a domino effect once Paul George decided he wanted to go and play with Kawhi Leonard with the Clippers. But the Thunder did really well in that trade. They got a lot of good draft picks back. Um, some some of the picks have been um, kind of up and down. I mean, they 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 went out, they drafted players like you know Trey Mann, um, uh, Poco. They drafted him as well. Um, they've been okay. They haven't really taken a huge step forward yet. Um, but, I mean, honestly, if you go back a little bit before that, getting Shea Gil- Gilgis-Alexander was kind of the the biggest thing for them this last several years because even though they have a lot of good young players, I mean, Alexander is the reason why they're hovering around 500. I mean, right now they're 24 and 25, which is just – I don't think anybody saw that coming. Mm-hmm. Um, SGA is the real reason why they're doing so well this year. I mean, he's almost a he's I mean he's around a thirty point a game score. Yeah, he's taking that next step, and he's he's the main reason why they've been so good this year. He's put them in a really good spot. I mean, honestly, before the season, they were even thinking about trading him because they wanted to go extremely even younger than they are now. They want to go younger, but I mean, SGA has just played so well. He's kind of forced their hand, and now they're in a really good spot because. When they bring uh, Chet Holmgren in next year, I mean, you're basically adding a lottery pick next year. And then, like I said, the following season, depending on how the Rockets do, they have the Rockets draft picks next season yeah. um, uh, after this upcoming uh, draft. So they're in a really good spot. I mean, they're already a 500 team. They already have a star-level player um, who may even make the all-star team again, which nobody saw that coming before this season started. Um, so – yeah, it, it started with the Westbrook trade. Um, they even got they made some good trades as far as when they they traded away Al Horford, who wasn't playing for them at all. They got a draft pick for him, so they just continue to add up all these draft picks. And I think they're doing that because they want to get a star level superstar player in the next couple of years with all these draft picks. 
Absolutely. And one of their one of their well, their draft pick last season, Josh Giddy, has Yeah, Josh Giddy. he's had a really good season this year. And I mean, I think one day he could be a guy who can average around like 18, 8 and 8, you know. He can he can be a Westbrook type player without statistic wise, without all the scoring, I guess. Yeah. You know, he yeah. Because he has potential to be a really good player, and he's already shown that he's a triple-double threat on a nightly basis, and that, you know, around him and Shea in the backcourt, they have, you know, Lou Dort, who is the key piece on the defensive end for them. And I think adding Chet next season with him and Dort, I mean, they'll be they'll be dominant. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, you're talking about this past draft. I mean, yeah, Jalen Williams, uh, actually two Jalen Williams, one spelled with an L, the other spelled with a Y, and both of them have been really good for them this season. I mean, Jalen Williams, uh, the one with the L, has actually been one of the better rookies. Um, he was drafted number 12 overall. He's definitely already outplaying his draft position. And then you're, you're talking about um, – uh, Usman Dang, who hasn't really even played for him this much this season, who they're trying to integrate in. Maybe he even takes that next step. So they have a lot of really good young players, um, sort of similar to the Rockets, but the difference is they have SGA. He's the difference between the Rockets and the Thunder. The Rockets don't have a 30-point efficient type player like a SGA who can kind of just bring everything together. They have Jalen Green, who's averaging, you know, 21 points a game this season. Don't get me wrong, but it's on low efficiency, and he's just he's uh, he's only in his second year. He hasn't got to the level where SGA is right now, and that's why the Thunder are so good. If you take SGA off this team, the Thunder will still be a decent team, but they will be nowhere near a 500 team. Yeah, I think SGA to the Thunder has kind of been one of the most overlooked kind of trades, um, really in the last like kind of five years. You know, yes, just because. I mean, I'm obviously nobody saw SGA coming, but like whenever I first watched Shea Gilgis, I, I really thought that he was going to be something cool. And like, I know quite a few people who watched the NBA and who watched like kind of game to game were like, man, this guy could be like a real threat. And now, I, I mean, this year, like the first two or three months, he was looking like an MVP candidate. You know? I mean, he still is. Right. But I think a lot of people also overlooked the last two seasons that he's had or three seasons, I guess, that he's had with OKC before this year. I mean, last year he almost was a 25-point-per-game scorer, you know, and the year before he was hovering around that 24 mark. So yeah. I think he's been a scorer. It's just the Thunder weren't they, – they sucked to keep it to keep it real. I mean, they, they were not very good. They were bottom team almost every season. And I think this year, since they're actually good, you know, they're hovering around that 500 mark. They're half a game out of the playing tournament. You know that people are finally giving credit where credit is due to Shea Gilgis. And, I mean, even guys like Lou Dort, who got a really big extension this offseason, I mean, he's he's been doing his thing. And I think that finally OKC is getting the credit that they deserve. Yeah, and I mean, they were probably a year ahead as far as the Rockets when it comes to rebuild. Um, and like I said, just with SGA, he's kind of accelerated everything over there, and they still got all these draft picks to where 
they could be like a major player for because we all know in the NBA these days, uh, star players can ask out at any time. So even if there's not, I mean, next year free agent draft class, uh, free agent class isn't the greatest as far as when it comes to star players um, beyond like maybe James Harden. But outside of that, it's not a lot of like star level players that are going to be free agents. But we all know that if a certain team struggles and they all of a sudden that star player wants out, um, like a DeMar DeRozan or you know, I don't know if Zach Levine is necessarily a star level player, but he's close. He's in, in that range. But just players like that, it's just, you know, their team struggles and then maybe all of a sudden they want out. I mean, heck, who knows? Maybe in Pascal Siakam, maybe he's, you know, sees that Toronto's kind of going the wrong way and maybe he decides he wants out. So you never really know when it comes to the NBA. I mean, even a guy like on Toronto, like you're talking about, OG Anunobi, who, yes. I mean, just in the last two weeks or so, we've heard that the Raptors were offered three first-round picks for him. And, I mean, there's not many teams that even have three first-round first round picks to even just throw out there, especially yeah. a guy like OG Anunobi, whose offensive game – He's had flashes, but he's never really been a top-tier offensive player. It's always been on the defensive side of the ball. So you, do you think that, you know, the Thunder possibly were the team that could have offered three first-round picks for a guy like OG Ananobi to go alongside uh, Shea Gilgis and Giddy and Dort? Uh, it's possible. Like you said, most teams don't have that because you can't trade draft picks in consecutive years. So it has to be draft picks every other year. Um, and most teams don't really have that ability to, you know, that they're willing to give up three picks um, every other year. Um, I know the Rockets are another team that has a lot of draft picks, but I just don't see them as, you know, giving up three draft picks for another small forward when they already have forwards that don't actually even get playing time right now. So I can see a team like the Thunder, kind of taking a swing because three draft picks for them is like nothing. They still have a ton of draft picks left. And you had an OG Ananobi too. I mean, he's not he's not exactly, you know, 19, 20 years old, but he's still very he's still a very young player and he'll fit right in um next to a uh SGA and then he talked about a homegroom next year and he talking about um uh all the other players that they have and the players that they may get next year, next year draft. I mean for all we know, they could somehow be able to get a Victor Wimbiama and maybe they trade him again. So they have so many different avenues that they can get to, you know, be in. Even if they don't make the playoffs this year, uh, the next couple of years, I think they'll be one of those teams fighting for home court advantage. I think with, I mean, we saw kind of with this offseason just how, I mean, I guess how, how many teams just don't really care about their draft picks. I mean, you see – uh, kind of the um, like the Timberwolves. I mean, they traded basically like all of their picks for like no, Gilbert. Well, like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, right, right. The yeah, the Jazz. Well, the Jazz got all the picks for uh, oh, yeah, before Rudy Gobert. Yeah. yeah, and so like you see kind of teams just throwing away picks um, for players and who arguably aren't doing like all too great. I mean, like DeJounte Murray, he's been a great player for um, Atlanta, but like. Look how many picks they gave up for. Uh, look at look how many picks they gave up for him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But like, what what do you think? Um, draft. I mean, a, a draft acu- acquisition and draft like kind of just like trading away picks and all that. Well, what do you think that'll kind of like look like in the league? Uh I just think 
I think teams are going to become a lot more hesitant because they see what happened with Rudy Gobert. He hasn't fit well at all. And uh, with Minnesota, they've struggled. Um, even though Cat's been out, so it's been kind of hard to see how they're actually going to work together. But they, even when Cat was there, they were still struggling. And then in Atlanta, I mean, DeJounte Murray's been fine in Atlanta, but as you see, they're not winning. And now they're having their own troubles. And another superstar type player that's been possibly um, talked about being on the move and Trey Young. So that hasn't worked out. So I think teams are going to become, especially like playoff, even playoff teams, I think they can possibly maybe even get to the next level. They're going to start really becoming hesitant, giving up all these draft picks. We saw with the Lakers, they have, they, they haven't been willing to give up their 2027 or 2029 pick just because they're not sure if it's going to do them any good in, you know, in the near future, even with a LeBron James and Anthony Davis. So, yeah, I think a lot more teams are going to become hesitant of giving up multiple picks for. I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, Dejounte Murray is maybe he's a star level player, but he's not anything more than that. And Rudy Gobert, I guess, depends on who you talk to as far as being a star level player or not. Right. I mean, I just I think the the Thunder. I know I, I've lived in places like uh, like Kansas who are huge Thunder fans and are like, man, why are why are they just like getting so many so many picks and not like, like not really trying to go for like a real player. And I think that that's just kind of like the way to do it right now is just to get picks because you never know when, you know, somebody's going to be on kind of the, the trade target like list, you know, like I think they have a lot of um, assets right now just for their team. And I think a lot of teams, especially younger teams are going to start trying to like tank to get picks and, or, or trade other players just to, just for picks. Cause you never know how useful they're actually going to be. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think, and then a lot of teams are kind of wary of continuously losing just because of when the NBA flattened out the lottery odds and made it a lot harder as the Rockets have found out being the worst team in the league two years in a row and still haven't got the number one pick that it's even harder now to get that uh, number one pick. And I think that um, teams are going to look at that. There's still going to be teams that are going to be tanking. I mean, that's just the way it is, but they also realize that it's not going to be a guarantee like in the NFL that you're just going to automatically get that number one pick. They may get the draft picks just so they can possibly try to use those uh, picks to get a superstar type player. Because like I said, if you're going after the DeJounte Murray's and the Rudy Gobert's, you don't want to give up three or four picks for those type of players. Cause we saw so far that hasn't worked out. Yeah. And do you think that possibly, you know, Atlanta and Minnesota traded away all those picks for said players due to their lack of free agency interest. And, you know, I mean, they're not massive markets and I'm not sure many players are wanting to, you know, play in Minnesota or Atlanta. So do you think like teams like them or like even the Thunder even are willing to trade all these picks because they're not a big free agent grab, you know? Yeah, I mean, I I, I think that's a, a possibility because when you when you look at uh, all these draft picks that you know, teams are getting, I mean, a lot of these teams don't always make the best decision. A lot of the best players sometimes don't even be in the top of the draft. I mean, we've seen that time after time again. I mean, I mean, the extreme case, of course, is Jokic. I mean, two-time MVP possibly three-time MVP that was drafted in the second round. I mean, Giannis was drafted more uh, at the later end of the 
the draft lottery. Steph Curry was drafted at the number seven pick. Um, you can kind of go on and on of where the top players aren't necessarily always the best players. I mean, we look at recently the top players. I mean, Carl Anthony Towns was a top pick. Zion Williamson, who's been better this year, but again, he's been so injured. He hasn't really done anything yet. Um, you look at Kay Cunningham. Now he's been out for an entire year, so we really don't know what you're getting from Kay Cunningham. Yeah. Um, so it's just kind of been kind of been back and forth as far as, you know, should you even continue to try to lose with a small chance of getting a number one pick and then a number one pick may not even be the best player in the draft. Yeah. Um, so even this year, now this year so far has worked out that way, that the, the number one pick has been the best player. Paulo Bancara yeah. has been the best player. But there's been a lot of other really good players that were drafted after him um, that could possibly become just as good or better than Paulo Bancara. We just don't know yet. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, ever since he was drafted number one, I've been a huge fan of Paulo. I mean, I I loved his game in college, and I feel like translating it to the NBA has been – he's been better than he was in college, you know? Usually college can be deceiving because there's so many, I guess, especially at Duke where he came from, there's all the top prospects and all the hype surrounding you and – it's really not, you know, you're not the star of the show. Whereas in other colleges, such as, say, Auburn, where Jabari Smith was the star of the show, or even Arizona, where Benedict Matherin was the star of his show, you know? I feel like college can be deceiving, and I think some players just play better in the NBA because it's, they, it's their chance to, you know, really step up and – make a difference to their team. Well, yeah, because you, you got to think about it that uh, every, I mean, of course, every, when you go to the NBA, you're playing every guy in the NBA is good enough to be in the NBA. When you're in college, maybe one or two of those players from your team is going to make it to the NBA. So a lot of times it's kind of hard to judge that, okay, they're great in college. They're going to be great in the NBA because you're not playing all NBA-level talent. And with Jabari, in Jabari Smith's case, um, I just think he's going to be the type of player that's going to be better on a winning team. He He's the type of player that's going to be not necessarily a superstar-level player, but once he gets like on a winning team, you can you really start to see um, how he can affect the game on both ends. He's not going to be a guy like Paul Bancaro that's going to take over a game offensively. I don't think that's ever really going to be his role, but I think he can be a player on a playoff team that can make, you know, winning plays. He's just unfortunately on a team that's rebuilding and it's kind of sticks out a lot more because he's not going to be a type of player that's going to take the ball 94 feet and dunk on somebody or cross people over. That's just not his type of game. Absolutely. And I mean, one thing that we had earlier in the, on one of our podcasts earlier in the year when we had, NBA writer Sean Powell on is yeah. talking about, you know, play, players don't tank, you know. A, exactly. A team or like a front office might tank by trading away their star players like the Jazz. You know, they traded away Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert for all those draft picks, and now they're in the playing spot. I don't think they were – nobody envisioned them being there, and I, don't, I certainly don't think that Danny Ainge envisioned – them being at that nine, eight, ten spot in the playing tournament in the West. And I think that, you know, 
it's just it's really hard for I guess some teams to well actually some players to you know succeed when you know their team isn't being built around winning. Yeah, their team is being built around you know let, let's get Victor Wembanyama, which I would not argue about. But say like last year, you know, like oh let's tank so we can get Jaden Ivy or Paulo Bancaro or Jabari Smith. You know, I just think some players just that's not their that's not the, where they succeed. And, you know, I think some guys on winning teams, like Shea Gilgis-Alexander, you know, he's on a winning team, or in a way, and he's just really thriving in that role. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if you look, if you look at it, uh, like, like you said, um, with, with a lot of these teams, they, they look at it, well, when the Rockets were actually, a lot of people thought the Rockets were going to end up drafting Paulo Bancaro, um, but it ended up with the you know Orlando kind of pulling the uh, last second surprise when they went and got uh, when they went and drafted Paulo Bancaro because a lot of people thought he was going to go to the Rockets. But like you were speaking with the Utah Jazz, I mean, yeah, I don't think a lot of people thought the Utah Jazz was going to keep winning. And I'm around the players a lot on practices and games, and like you said. It's just, I've never seen a player that says, yes, I want to continue to lose so that some player can come in and take my job. I mean, that's just not the way players and even coaches think because, yes, front offices can't think that way. But coaches, all these losses go on their record. I doubt Coach Silas wants all these losses on his record. So there's a small chance that they can get a better player next year when he might not even be around next year. So coaches and players never look at it as well. Yeah, I see the bigger picture. I want to be able to get higher draft picks. They they really don't care about getting higher draft picks. They want to win games. So yeah, if people ever think that players are purposely losing games, um, that's just kind of insane to me because only GMs and owners think that way. Players and coaches, they want to win every single game, and most of them think they're going to win. I mean, they could be the worst team in the league and be going up against the best team in the league, and they still think they can win that game. So, yeah, like you said, at the end of the day, players are going to play hard. And that's why a lot of times that's why you see franchises or front offices make coaches take their players out towards the end of the year because they don't want them to win games. That's what we kind of saw with the Rockets last year. Yeah. Coach Silas wanted John Wall to play. Um, I don't know for a hundred percent fact. I don't, I don't have any inside knowledge as far as that, but just putting two and two together, he wanted John Wall to play. The front office didn't want him to play full-time minutes. So that's why we ended up with that whole situation because they wanted, they wanted the Rockets to be young. They want to see what they had, but they also didn't have a problem with them losing games as well. Yeah. And I was just about to actually ask you, you know, what you're thinking about the John Wall situation, about what he said on the, title league podcast just a just two weeks ago you know where he was talking about how he was telling guys like Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. you know y'all are just getting accustomed to losing acting like it's you know nothing and yeah. if you keep up with that mentality you know it, you, you're not you would they wouldn't even be playing they would they wouldn't even be on a team if they were on a contender and I think those words just hit really hard because you know you just don't you just don't hear that from players often you don't hear players go out and just, you know, bash, just bash their former team like that. And I think the John Wall situation, I think he got a really good deal. You know, he got bought out. He he's playing for the Clippers. He's playing yeah. small right now. 
But I think that that's just really shocking how, you know, what he said about those young guys and how they would just get accustomed to losing and how he really just said straightforward to them, you know, how if y'all are going to do that, then y'all aren't going to – y'all can't play, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and I think uh, well, a lot of what he said was true. Um, also, it's kind of hard to know how much of it was true just because he's also kind of bitter the way the whole situation played out, which I can understand. I mean, he was coming off of a major, another major injury, hadn't played in a long time, thought he was he, – he played a little bit the year before with the Rockets, Um, played – actually was the best player here on the team his first year with the Rockets, Um, and then the whole situation with – um with James Harden happened. Um, and that kind of just threw everything in for a loop. And then he played, you know, decent enough that year. And then he coming in the next year, I think he's going to get another chance to play. And then they, they t- put him to the side and say, Hey, we want you to play, but we want you to come off the bench and you may not even play some games. So I can understand why he would be upset about that. I think any veteran player, especially a player that's been as good as John wall, wouldn't want to accept that. Um, but at the same time, with the young guys and coming in into a losing situation, it, it's kind of hard to know how to win if your team is always constantly being at, at the bottom of the of the rankings. And that's why I think John Wall was upset because he figured he could be in the starting lineup. He could help the young guys, but the team didn't want him in the starting lineup. At least the front office didn't want him in the starting lineup. Um, so the whole situation played out. But like you said, he ended up getting bought out. He ended up getting the majority of his money, and he's still he's on a playoff contending team right now, still able to play. So at the end of the day, it worked out fine for him. Um, but the Rockets absolutely do need uh, some type of veteran leadership, and more than Eric Gordon, because like I said, Eric Gordon is kind of ready to move on to somewhere to another situation. So I want to take a look at the Western Conference like standings for a minute. Uh, there are about like three or four games that separate the fourth seed from the, the 13th seed in the conference. And it's just, I, I, I mean, they're games back, of course, but like the Lakers right now are 14th in the, no, I'm sorry. They're, yeah. They're 13th in the West right now yes. um, with 23 wins. And then like the Clippers only have like 28 wins on the season, you know, and they're the third seed. So like how, or well, yeah, they're the fourth seed. And so, like, how – what do you think it's going to look like for, like, the, the rest of the that kind of conference? I mean, the, the Eastern Conference has um, a little bit more of, like, a, a wider spread between games and teams. But, like, the Western Conference is, is – they're, they're pretty neck and neck right now. Yeah, and that's why I was saying earlier that if the Clippers don't win this year, I mean, when are you going to win? Because it's it's just jumbled up right now. Any team can win. I know the Nuggets are the number one seed right now. Um, the Grizzlies have lost five in a row, um, actually, since that whole incident with the Lakers. So they've been struggling, but they're still right there. Um, but any team honestly can win. I mean, you have the defending champions who are the seventh seed right now. They're only one game over 500. They're struggling on the road. But, I mean, when it comes to the playoffs, who are we really going to pick in a seven-game series if the Warriors end up playing, let's say, the Nuggets in the conference championship or something like that? Most people are still going to pick the Warriors. Um, so anybody can really win the West right now. It's just so jumbled up right now. It's it's kind of hard. Even like I said, with the Lakers being a 13th seed, I mean, they're only a couple games out of a play-in spot. I mean, they're only three games in the, law, the win column behind the number eight seed, uh, the Mavericks. So it's really nobody separating themselves right now. So actually, it might be one of the more interesting 
if it stays this way, of course, we all know it can change in the second half where teams kind of start to separate themselves. But it, it should be a really interesting playoffs uh, in the Western Conference. Yeah, I think one of the the biggest red flags about Golden State right now, though, is that they're 16 and 18 um, for road games. And, yeah. I mean, everybody points to Golden State because they were the defending champions, but, like, Everybody's high on New Orleans right now, and they're like nineteen. They're not nine and fifteen on road games, and so like those teams are really struggling, kind of like in that mid um, uh, conference standings right now, just like really struggling on the road. Do you, what? What kind of effect do you think that that's been having on kind of like the players and like who gets to sit on what nights and all that? Well, I mean, that's the problem. Like, New Orleans had, I mean, C.J. McCollum set out the other night. Zion Wales has been out a while. Brandon Ingram was out for several months. Um, They've had so many injuries. It's just hard to even tell with a lot of these teams how good they even are. I mean, even with, like I said, I spoke of Minnesota earlier. Carl Anthony Towns has been out uh, for most of the year. Rudy Gobert has missed some time. Um, It's just kind of hard to tell. Phoenix Sun, Devin Booker's been out. Chris Paul's been hurt. It's It's kind of hard to even tell who's a good team and who's not a good team because even when they are healthy, then teams are sitting out their players like the Clippers. They set out both Paul George and Kawhi Leonard today. Um, so it's hard to even tell like who's a, even really a good team to be perfectly honest with you in the West, because so many people are so many star level players have been sitting out. I mean, so we won't really know a lot until we get closer to the end of the year. And we might not even know then because teams are just not really willing to push their star players um, to even play majority of the games anymore. I mean, the Warriors had out their entire, entire um, starting lineup the other night after playing a, a game the night before. Um, so they've been doing that a lot more often. Um, so it's, it's really hard to tell, especially with these younger teams that don't have as much experience it's hard to tell how they're even going to mesh together because New Orleans hasn't been playing together for a, a long period of time. Minnesota with Gobert, they haven't been playing together a long time. Now you have teams like the Grizzlies who seem to be at least playing their players on a more consistent basis. But like we've seen recently, they've struggled. They lost like five games in a row. And when I last checked tonight, they, they were behind tonight as well. So um, I don't think we're really going to know – it's like the first time in a while it's hard to even know who's going to come out of the West because it's really no favorites right now. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think on um, one final topic on um, to kind of close out the podcast, you know, on and end on the topic that we started with on um, the young rebuilding teams. I want to hear your thoughts on Kevin O'Connor from the ringers latest 2021 NBA redraft where he had, Evan Mobley going one, Giddy going two, Cade going three, and then Franz at four, Scotty at five, and you know Jalen Green sitting at six, which I think that that's turning a lot of heads right now. So I just want to hear your thoughts on you know that redraft and you know where where what you would what your redraft would look like. Well, to me, it's it's always hard with redrafts just because in the second year, just because. Jalen Green's a high-volume shooting guard. It's hard for high-volume shooting guards to make impacts early in the career, just like Devin Booker. It took him forever. He didn't make the playoffs, so he got Chris Paul. Um, it's harder for those players to make impacts just because they're going to be more of a scoring guard. Evan Mobley actually has went kind of backwards this year. 
he had a really strong rookie year and he's kind of went backwards this year, but he's, he's on such a good team. You don't notice as much. Um, Josh Giddy has been playing better this year, even though his shooting his shooting numbers aren't great. He still kind of struggles from the outside. Kay Cunningham, I mean, we don't even know with Kay Cunningham because he's missed basically the entire year. So we don't know with Kay Cunningham. Um, but if if I'm doing a redraft, honestly, even at the time, I got a lot of flack for this, but I was still I, – I would rather if them whip, the Rockets went with Evan Mobley. I'm fine with them having Jalen Green. I think Jalen Green is going to be a really good player, maybe a star-level player. Maybe a scoring champ one day, but I just saw that Evan Mobley can affect the game on both ends of the court, and we're seeing that even when he does struggle on offense, he's still able to affect the game on a defensive end. So, I mean, I don't know if I'm putting. I know Franz Wagner has been Wagner been doing pretty good. I know he's been doing good with Orlando, um, but again, I think Orlando is just also a better team overall than what the Rockets have as well. So. It's hard to do a redraft yet just because we're only in the second year of these players. And we all know most, we really don't really start to see players on how good they're going to be until at least the third year. That's when you can start to see who's going to separate themselves from whom. So two years into it, it's kind of hard. But I will say if I was drafting, redrafting, I would definitely still take Evan Mobley. I would take Evan Mobley first overall and then – like I said, after that, it's just really hard because Kay Cunningham hasn't even played at all this year. Um, so it's kind of hard to say with him. Scotty Barnes has kind of actually went back and forth. He's, of course, had a really good rookie year. Of course, we all know that. Um, but this year, he's kind of been another player that's had some injuries. He's been kind of back and forth as well. Um, so that's why I say really the third year, that's when you can start to look like, okay, this guy is going to be great. This guy is not going to be as good as high as his draft pick. Um, but we really still don't know with Jalen Green because he hasn't really been on a functional team in his entire NBA career yet. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the one thing about Jalen Green, I mean, his scoring separates him from a lot of other guys in the draft class. And But I think just the inconsistency and then just the lack of defensive effort, I think that just stands out from when you watch a Rockets game. And, I mean – there's like you were saying, there's a like Mobley, he on both ends of the court, he's well, but a lot of people use the, you know, argument that his stats look the exact same from last year, but I think when you watch watch the games between all the second year guys, I think Mobley he just stands out different from everyone else. And then, you know, it just depends on what night you also watch the players, you know. Because like we saw the other night, Jalen Green dropped a career high in points and he had 40-plus. And then you never know. I mean, just a few nights later, possibly, he could have like eight points or shoot two for 15, you know. I think think just that – I think with second-year players, the inconsistency in the shooting is still a struggle. But that third year, like you were saying, I think that's the pivot year where – you can really take a look at these guys and see who's who's going to be great and, you know, who's just going to be a good player in the league. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, Jalen Green, to take that next step, he has to get better on defensive end. He's not a good defensive player right now. He's been better. He's been a better ball handler this year, better facilitator, but he's still turning the ball over a little bit too much. Um, so that's kind of his next step is being a better defender and just being a better um, facilitator, secondary facilitator as well, because 
he can score. His shooting numbers aren't that great. Um, so that's – but, I mean, I think the Rockets knew that. Even when he was playing um, in high school um, summer league ball, uh, when he was playing with the, the G League at night, he was never a guy that was going to be shooting – 40% from three-point range. It's just not his type of game yet. So I don't think the Rockets have a problem with his shooting numbers. I think mainly it's the effort on defense. He has to be a better defensive player because you just don't want him to be a liability on the defensive end. Yeah, absolutely. And so, I mean, I think with that, I mean, th- thank you for, you know, coming on the podcast. I absolutely. Think, I think we had a really good discussion, you know, yeah. and I think it turned out really well, you know. So, as as I said before, you know, thank you for your time and you know, Elliot, you, you want anything to say? No, I, I was just like I'm I'm really uh, I'm I'm I think it gave me a lot of like kind of clarity on a, on the younger players and kind of the 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 bottom teams right now. It's just just hearing from somebody who's kind of watching every game like night in and night out just to see uh uh what what these teams are really made of, kind of their their strengths and their weaknesses and um how how they how you think they're gonna kind of like move forward and all that so thank you for that yeah absolutely and i appreciate y'all having me on it's always good to talk basketball you know even outside of the rockets so uh yeah i definitely appreciate it I had a good time yes sir we did too so thing with that that's gonna close out this inside the nba full court press special with lashard binkley so thank you for listening and As always, have a good time.